Tales from Before the Grave with Kayla Spagnoli is brought to you by Real Podcasting. We're the people that take your passion or your profession and turn it into your podcast. Visit us on Facebook at Real Podcasting. That's capital R-E-A-L Podcasting. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. We're back in the lab. It's another episode of Tales from Before the Grave. I'm Riley Evans, sitting across from me um, for possibly the last time, not because we're canceling, but because I'm moving, on the big brown couch, the star, the amazing, bright, shining star of this program, Kayla Spagnoli. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you were safe, enjoyed your families or, or your friends or whoever you decided to spend your holidays with. But we are back here and we're back down to business. We've got some interesting stuff today. Um, Kayla, you actually went to a funeral. Yeah, I did. Um, was it someone in your family, somebody else's family? What was the situation? Um, so this person is somebody I didn't actually get to meet. When she was alive, unfortunately. Um, so my partner's friend's mom is the person who passed away. Well, that's sad. It is sad, especially because this guy already lost his dad to cancer. Then he lost oh, his mom to cancer. That's and he's awful. an only child. That's awful. Yeah, it is awful. And she was so ill that she actually moved to Toronto. So when Jason and I went to Toronto, we... We were trying to see him, but he had to take his mom to emergency because she was not doing so well at that time. So, yeah, I'd, that would have been the time I would have met her. But, yeah, I didn't get to. And then I guess things went downhill really quickly and she passed away. Well, it's very sorry to hear. But, yeah. Um, but we're, we're going to have to more talk about the actual funeral itself. And not so much the actual funeral, I guess, but sort of your experience at funerals. So... My question then, what what was it like going to funerals that you were not involved with professionally while you were in the industry? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Going to funerals that I wasn't involved with always made me a little bit anxious because I knew what was going on behind the scenes. And I'm like, are they going to be on time? Is this going to like take off without, you know, a flaw? Am I going to notice if there's a flaw? Like, I don't know. I, I Yeah. I I guess just to sum it up, yeah, I just it made me anxious. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean it 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 does make sense because it's always interesting to watch somebody like practice your profession when you're sort of on the the quote unquote civilian side of things. But um, what what's do you have sort of like a, an experience of something going wrong at a funeral that you were not you know in at a professional capacity? Not really. Like, this is a really, really small tidbit. Kind of like it's who cares? But I, I care, and I remember this at my grandfather's uh, funeral. Well, actually, both my grandfathers, both my grandfathers passed away within six months from each other. My first one on my mom's side, 
the funeral was a couple minutes late and it actually really bugged me because it didn't need to be like there's absolutely no reason why I needed to start late I think it was just like the funeral doctor was just whatever fucking off and then was like shit we gotta start this and rushed us all in and I know like again I know it's a really small thing but yeah I noticed and it made me anxious and uncomfortable especially because he wasn't a person who would be late for anything Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like he's yeah. always on time so um and then the other grandfather he didn't look anything like him but I don't blame that on the funeral home I think that was really our fault as a family because we gave a picture of him in his 60s and when he passed away oh god how old was he when he passed away he would have been 82 83 oh so it's like a 20 year old picture Right. And he had more hair. He had more teeth. He had like a lot of things change over a 20 year span. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to make somebody look like a picture when they don't look like that, they haven't looked like that picture in 20 years. Yeah, it's pretty hard. And so I think that always made me kind of nervous, too, that um, I kind of felt stupid. I'm like, wow, I, I, I. like, I never actually said this before out loud, so I guess this is the first time I'm saying this. But I always felt like I should have known better uh, and recommended that we give a picture that was... like More after, accurate. Yeah, after seeing that, I'm like, wow, I really fucked up. But, I mean, did I really fuck up? I mean, not really. I mean, I don't know. It's just like this little nagging thing I think about when I think about that funeral process. Or I And I also kind of think the funeral home should have asked for a more recent photo. Like... I noticed this looks nothing like him. Can we have a more recent photo? And that's what I think it would come down to is that, yes, you happen to be a, like, you were, you were a funeral director at the time, right? Okay, you no, already left? Uh, I, yeah, by this time, yeah, I wasn't a funeral director. Okay. Uh, had had you started PR school yet? Mm, yeah. Uh, for this funeral, yeah. I was, yeah. Okay. So. Um, it was like this time two years ago. Okay. So, uh. Either way, you, you just because you happened to be a funeral director, like a former funeral director at the time, doesn't necessarily mean that they should expect you to automatically know all the best practices. Because, like, for all they know, you're just a regular person. You know, how many people, how many times do they plan funerals when somebody in the family used to be or is in the industry, right? So mm-hmm. I think ultimately, it's their professional responsibility to make sure that they have everything they need, including accurate up-to-date pictures right mm-hmm. uh, like you especially when you weren't in the industry anymore you know it shouldn't be beholden on you to make sure that everything from your family's side of things is perfect yeah and it, i mean it, it wasn't yeah it wasn't that kind of pressure like i helped write the obituary and stuff like that but um it just again, it's just like one little thing that I think about that I have like this nagging feeling in the back of my head that I'm like, damn it, I could have made that better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, w- I don't think you should beat yourself up too much about it. Thanks. Cool. All right. Sort of moving forward then. Um, I guess we kind of answered the question partially, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it up anyways. Did it change how you look at funerals between the time that? you were in the industry and when you left like is it now different even more so going to funerals than it was back when you were working there um 
I don't know. I think now when I go to funerals or visitations or I have to step in a funeral home, uh, it's more like a joke. It's more like this weird running joke because people around me know that used to be like my life and stuff like that. Uh, and even when I attended this funeral back in December, excuse me, um, people were like, oh, it must be weird for you. And it's, it's kind of like this funny thing to poke fun at me for. But I mean, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Are you still anxious about like watching it and knowing what's going on behind the scenes and everything? Uh, I try. I really. I try to make it uh, more of an effort not to be. I try to. I try to like leave that part of me behind and just be there in the moment, in in the present moment type of thing. Like, take a minute to myself. Like, deep breath. Okay, we're stepping into the funeral home. Like, I do not have to be anxious about this. This is not my responsibility. This does not reflect on me whether or not this goes well. Like, I just need to be there for my friends and family or whoever. Yeah. That's, mm. that's kind of like how I see it now. So it's like, it's a, it, you, you understand that you're making like a conscious effort to not sort of mentally engage yourself in the whole process behind. And you just try to be present for sort of the ceremony. Yeah. And, and for the people that the ceremony is, is for. Yeah. And it's funny because at the, um, at the, not the visitation, at the funeral itself, which was held in the chapel, um, everybody was taking up the back seats and I was like, let's go sit in the front. We didn't sit in the very front, but we sat like pretty close to the front. And Jay's like, why did we do this? We should go sit in the back. Maybe we're sitting in the family seat. I'm like, no, family seats are reserved. We're not in anybody's way. Mm-hmm. And he's, I'm like, look around. You see how everybody's pushed to the back? It's because nobody, what, how you feel is how everybody else feels. Nobody wants to sit at the front. And then Jay was like, you know, when I go to, um, he makes video games. So he, when yeah. he goes to video game conferences and people are talking, especially his friends, he learns to go sit at the front. So that way, when somebody he knows is doing a presentation, they have a friendly face mm-hmm. looking back at them, right? Right yeah. at the front. And I'm like, that, that, I'm like, well, that's what I'm trying to do right now is like have a friendly face. And like, why sit at the back when there's all this room? I'm like, I don't feel weird about it. I don't think... You know, anybody else should feel weird about it. I'm like, let's just stay where we are. And we did, even though we're sitting like, yeah, pretty close to the front. That's really cool. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like a good blend of things to still be conscious of what can help the people who are sort of like executing the ceremony and being that friendly face. But at the same time, that's just like a general life principle. Yeah. Like if you know people that are presenting something like, like, help a brother out like mm-hmm. sit closer to the front so that they have that sort of like calming presence near them and that support yeah but, yeah. yeah do you want to move on sure all right we've got questions kayla yay i know um so a combination of questions that were, were sent into us and stuff that is dug up online from random uh funeral homes and then q a's and things like that so this is going to be interesting um, I'm not necessarily so much looking for an answer directly, yes or no, to the question. I'm just going to give you the question, and I'm, I'm going to see where you want to go with it, Kayla. Mm-hmm. All right. So this one, uh, the funeral board of Manitoba, big shout, Manitoba. Thanks for being a good neighbor to us in Ontario. Um, question one, who can make final arrangements for a funeral? 
anyone. Yay. No, I'm kidding. Not anyone. If you're okay. So I know we've kind of touched upon this before, but if you're talking about yourself, you can make prearrangements for yourself and then yay. Hopefully nobody screws that up for you when you die, but you don't really get a say in that because you're dead. Um, but once somebody is dead and you're, it's so typically it's executor. And if you don't have an executor, then it'd be next to Ken. Okay. But like, I mean, is, is there a particularly pre-established order for nets of kin? Like, uh, let's say um, there's no established executor in the will. Uh, you died. Um, you don't. You weren't married, and you have two siblings. Uh, I think in that case, it would be your parents if they're still alive. If they're not. If they're not, then it would be your siblings. Which sibling? I w- like. Oh are boy. We, are we going to court over this? I hope not. Have people gone to court over this? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have. Okay. Do you have Do you have a particular instance? Uh, the- actually, I have a per- a personal one. Yes. Yes. Because, well, don't say yes. It's not good. It, like sometimes. No, it's just interesting. I like story time. I wasn't even a funeral director at the time, and this didn't happen at a funeral home I worked at or anything like that. I just, you know, people you you come across and meet and stuff like that, and they're talking about like legal battles that are going from about wills oh it's terrifying it's awful this lady had been going through uh a battle with her siblings over their father's will for 10 years it's it's literally it's worse than divorce yeah and after 10 years like what is going to be left of whatever dad had nothing because that's going to go pay all the lawyers for the last 10 years yeah i mean like and, and i think it's it's similar to divorce in in the sense that it it, uh, it oftentimes because of like the bitterness involved, it becomes less about actually gaining and and properly dividing assets that are are the ones that are in question, and more about just winning. You yeah. know, for yeah. principle's sake, yeah. even if you're actually going to lose money, because people are bitter, bitter, bitter beings. And that's what I that's what I felt like this lady was really trying to come across in her story to me. It wasn't about Money, at the end of the day, the brother just wanted to win. It was like some kind of weird sibling... Ah, I can't talk... Sibling rivalry. Thank you. Yeah. Where he just wanted to come out on top for God knows why. And the interesting thing that I'm thinking right now is that if the brother had told you the story from his perspective, you probably would have felt the same way about her. No, because... I, I Again, I think he's just a weird, sly guy. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know this guy. Maybe he has some weird story why he feels like he deserves to win, quote unquote, win, you know. But at the end of the day, you're putting your family through pain and 10 years of pain, 10 years of like unnecessary trauma and fees and money loss. And who knows what else is coming from it? Like, who knows how else this is, is going to affect someone? Like, maybe because of this battle their kids can't go to college because they needed that money that you're spending on lawyers. Like Mm -hmm. who knows how deep this could run. Yeah. So I don't know. People are obsessively competitive about oftentimes silly things. I would Not that I would ever know anything about being super competitive. (laughs) But um, moving on. Number two, we've sort of touched on this, but uh, I think you wanted to go over it again. Is embalming required? No, but 
but I do have a little story. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. Go ahead. It's not required, but again, if you're going to be viewed, um, I wouldn't say in any capacity because sometimes they have, they have IDs like, so identifications where a funeral home will just be like, I just need anybody. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend to see, to agree. This is so-and-so before we cremate them. Like some funeral homes have that policy in effect. So for something like that, if it's going to be like the same day, uh, I don't think it's necessary. But I mean, there has been circumstances where embalming really was necessary. I think. Okay, so there's there's um, a condition that bodies, some bodies go through when they die or when they start decomposing. And it's called tissue gas. Tissue gas is when there's a bacterium in the bloodstream uh, and it causes the body to go through decomposition, but like at a weird, faster rate Mm -hmm. and it affects the body differently than like a normal body going through it. Um, Usually what happens is body swells and if you push on the, like where the swelling is, it makes this weird crinkling noise. Kind of like snap, crackle, pop, like that kind of noise. That's awful. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. And their tongue swells up and sometimes it swells to the point you can't put it back in their mouth. Well, what would you do then? <sighs> what would you do? Um, well, hopefully through chemicals, you, you like there's special tissue gas chemicals that... Okay essentially dehydrate the body so it like basically shrinks it and deswells it by removing the water yeah yeah exactly so hopefully i've never seen it so bad to that point where it was like the eyes sometimes the eyes will bulge bulge out as well but i've never seen it that bad in real life just i've heard stories and i've i think in my old embalming textbook there might be pictures of it but that's terrifying. But the point I'm trying to get is once we're asking, because again, you have to get permission to embalm someone from a family before you embalm them. And we're asking this funeral director, do we have permission? Do we have permission? And for some reason, he was just like dragging his ass and didn't ask the family. And then the body got tissue gas, which is for a dead body to get tissue gas. Tissue gas, sorry, is a big deal because it can... Um, it can spread to the other bodies in the room really uh-huh. quickly and yeah. really mess up your whole morgue. Yeah. And it, it can, it's not by air, but it can be by touch. So like if you use a metal blade on one body and use that blade again on another body, like that body will get tissue gas. Like, so metal on metal type of thing. Or So basically it, you have to throw out whatever you use on it. Yeah. And, or, and super disinfect and be really careful. Like, even if you, like they say, even if you wore the gloves on that body, you have to like throw those gloves out, do scrub down, and then go on to another body. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's messy shit. Anyways, like I said, so this body, uh, he waited and he waited and waited and this body was starting to show signs of tissue gas. And it's like, holy shit, this could have all been prevented if you... had just asked the family. Yeah. That's why it's really important to ask yeah. and embal- if you're thinking of embalming, like get that answer to them right away because like the longer you wait, you, more shit can arise. So. All right. That was a good story. 
Number five, do I have to use a funeral director? See, this is a weird question because as far as I know, legally, yes, because any funeral home, funeral establishment, whatever, a f- an owner can doesn't have to be a legal funeral director. Like they don't have to um, have a license and all that to manage one. You do because mm-hmm. somebody has to be accountable, right? Yeah, of course. But I've heard of. OK, so here's a funny story I've heard of. So there's a this is before my time. And uh, this is like probably one of the oldest funeral stories I know. Whether it's true or not, I don't really know, but because it's been passed down so long. But there's a group of men who would go to Tim Hortons like every day. And they were old redneck hunting buddies. And this is their thing. They're retired. Meet up at Tim Hortons. Da, da, da. And they're like, when I die, I don't want to go to a fancy funeral home. Just take care of me. Because that's how they did. Right. They're like, take care of each other, whatever. Yeah. One of the one of them dies. Right. So. The rest of them are like, okay, well, Buddy didn't want us to go to a fancy funeral home, so we're we're going to take care of Buddy. They show up to the hospital to go retrieve Buddy, and and the hospital is like, do you have a stretcher? And they're like, no. And they're like, well, you can't just. What are you going to do? Strap him to your car? Like you can't just take Buddy and put him in your car? Like you need stretcher. So then they go to the funeral home and says, like Buddy died, but we want to take care of him. Can we rent a stretcher? So they're like. Sure, you can rent because to pick up a body, you don't need a license, right? You can go, you can rent one of our stretchers and go pick up like the buddy. So then they go back to the hospital and pick up buddy who's now in a stretcher. Okay. And then they're like, we're going to put him in a truck. And it's like, no, 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 you can't just put him in a truck because like he could fly out or it's like super unethical. They were going to put him in the back of a truck. Right. Oh my God. Continue. Super unethical, whatever, right? So then they're like, shit, we can't do that. So then they go back to the funeral home and they're like, hospital says we can't just put them in the back of our truck. And so we need to borrow a van or rent a van. It's like, okay, sure, you can rent. Anyways, so the story goes that... It's starting to get expensive. It's starting to get expensive. They can't do... They think they know how to go about it, but they really don't. And they keep going back to the funeral home to borrow or rent or whatever things that they need, right? They don't have the expertise. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have the equipment, obviously. So at the end of the day, they're like, fuck it. We'll just go through a funeral home. So that's one of the oldest stories I know. Again, whether it's true or not is beyond me, but I could totally see that happening though, right? A bunch of rednecks being like, oh, buddy didn't want this. We're going to deal with it. And it's like, hmm. I don't know. Can you? So. And they ended up spending like twice as much as they would have otherwise. Oh, that part. I I don't know. Well, for I mean, sure. if you, like uh, we don't know any of this for sure. This could be like but, a funeral services urban legend. But when you look in like, OK, they rented the stretcher and then they rented the van and they kept going back and forth, presumably running other things. Right. And then eventually they're like, OK, well, fuck it. We'll just use the funeral home. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say in this day and age at this time in Ontario, yes, you do need uh, help of a funeral director to oversee things, Um, especially because a funeral director legally needs to be the one to sign a contract. And um, yeah, I don't even know what would happen if you were like ABC person and you wanted to go pick up a body nowadays, what the hospital would say to you. Yeah. Um, 
just for for uh, the sake of the facts, Manitoba disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. In Manitoba, you can act as a lay funeral director for uh, a, a direct family member. However, the um, funeral board of Manitoba does not recommend that. Shocking. See, and I want to know what that means. Like, do they mean like you can conduct the service? Do they mean that you can like organize it all? Because you could totally organize everything. But when it comes to like the handling of a dead body, that's what I don't understand. Because what are you going to do? You're going to take, you're going to like leave grandma home or stuff her in your freezer and then... You, obviously, legally, you cannot embalm her yourself. Where would you even get the chemicals, right? So what are you going to do? You can't cremate her. You can't just be like, well, I mean, you can. But are you going to stick her in the back of your van, drive to a crematorium, and hope that they sell caskets, which they probably don't? Or are you going to make your own casket? Like, there's all these things I, I'm wondering, like, what does the Manitoba board really mean by that? I mean, this is just me speculating. I would imagine that the process would be something like a very quick turnaround in a small town because, you know, the, the population of Manitoba outside of Winnipeg right. is essentially, it's, it's very, very rural. So, yes. first of all, they might not have access necessarily easily to funeral homes. Okay. But it could be just the, the idea of allowing like a small community to sort of, where everyone is knows everyone is you know, able to sort of have like a gathering at a, at a quick notice. Oh, somebody's died. Okay, we have the funeral celebration of life tomorrow and then we bury them in the town cemetery type thing. Okay, I can see that happening. But again, it's just like the actual dealing with the dead body is the part I don't know how legal that is because it's just like who's going to handle putting her in a casket and the can contamination too like if there's blood and stuff like that how are you going to deal with that like you can't just put bloody dead person sheets in regular garbage like that's friggin' disgusting yeah hey i'm not I, i'm i'm certainly Board not of saying, manitoba what are you thinking okay they do first of all they do say they don't recommend it I would imagine that they don't necessarily have control over all of the laws and policies because if they don't recommend it, they would probably just not allow it if they had control of the policies. But uh, I digress. Yes. Anyways, uh, folks in Manitoba, use it for me. Hey, folks, Riley here in the studio. So this episode went way over time, and as a result, Kayla and I decided to split it into two parts. You're going to get the second part of the Q&A next week with a whole bunch more fun stories from Kayla and her time in funeral services. We'll see you then.